Welcome to my waking nightmare. I'm your host, Colton Jacobson, and I had a pretty busy week this week. So, unfortunately, that means this week there's no new episode. But I will be back next week. See you then. I didn't have time to prepare anything for this episode. My choices were to haphazardly put something together or not have an episode this week. And luckily, I don't have to do either, even though those are the only two choices that I gave. It turns out History.com has my back, and we can just plagiarize off of them. So today we're going through my totally original list that I created on August 15, 2013, and decided for some reason it was worth updating on August 31st, 2018, that I have promptly named 10 Things You May Not Know About Lawrence of Arabia. Check out 10 Surprising Facts About the Man Known as Lawrence of Arabia, written by Christopher Klein. Um, that's the, that is the title of this post that I wrote. So we're going to jump right into this list with number one. Born out of wedlock, Lawrence only learned his true identity after his father's death. In 1879, 18-year-old Sarah Lawrence arrived at the opulent Irish estate of Sir Thomas Chapman to begin work as a governess for his four daughters. The Victorian aristocrat and his domestic servant began an affair, and she secretly gave birth to their illegitimate son in 1885. When the scandal was discovered, Chapman left his wife and moved to Britain with his new love. Although the couple never wed, they adopted the last name Lawrence and pretended to be man and wife. T.E., who was the second of the couple's five children, only learned the true identities of his parents after his father's 1919 death. I'm going to read that again. It says he only learned the true identities of his parents after his father's 1919 death, which doesn't seem like it fits the narrative of the movie. I think the movie takes place in, like, 1916, and they do mention this in the movie. In fact, give me one second here. According to... T.E. Lawrence's Wikipedia page, he was born out of wedlock in August 1888 to Sarah Junner, not Sarah Lawrence, a governess and Sir Thomas Chapman, an Anglo-Irish nobleman. Chapman left his wife and family in Ireland to cohabitate with Junner. Chapman and Junner called themselves Mr. and Mrs. Lawrence, using the surname of Sarah's likely father. Her mother had been employed as a servant for a Lawrence family when she became pregnant with Sarah. So, let me go back to that list here. I'm already not liking this because it seems something is wrong, and it's probably the article that, I'm going to be honest, Christopher Klein wrote, not me. Although it's on History.com, and not just anyone can put anything on History.com, but Wikipedia is a pretty unreliable source. But I digress. We're going to move on to number two. The real Lawrence of Arabia was a man of short stature. 
Well, six-foot-three-inch Peter O'Toole cut a towering figure as the lead in the 1962 epic biopic Lawrence of Arabia. That's that's us. That's uh, that's what we're watching. The real Lawrence was only five feet five inches tall. Lawrence remained self-conscious about his height, which may have been caused by a childhood case of the mumps. Now, this one I actually did know just by reading things about the movie. There was a whole thing about Peter O'Toole looking almost identical to T.E. Lawrence, but they almost didn't want to cast him because of his height. But apparently his appearance is so close to T.E. Lawrence that they had no choice but to cast him. Number three. He first traveled to the Middle East as an Oxford archaeology student. Now, this one is not a part of the movie, because this would have happened before the movie. Lawrence spent the summer of 1909 traveling solo through Syria and Palestine to survey the castles of the Crusaders for his thesis. He walked nearly a thousand miles and was shot at, robbed, and badly beaten. In spite of the arduous journey, the new graduate returned to Syria the following year as part of an archaeological expedition sponsored by the British Museum. His years in the region deepened his knowledge for Arabic and affinity for the Arabs. I don't really have anything else to say on that one. It is not very relevant to the movie. So we are going to move on. I thought this list was going to be more about the movie itself, but I guess it's just about the man. Anyway, number four. I'm realizing now that I probably should have read the list before recording this, but we're too far into it now. That wasn't... That wasn't number four, um, but that was me coming to a realization in the middle of reading number four. The actual number four, he never had a single day of battlefield training. In 1914, the British military employed Lawrence on an archaeological expedition of the Sinai Peninsula and Negev Desert, a research trip that was actually a cover for a secret military survey of territory possessed by the Ottoman Turks. Once World War I began, Lawrence joined the British military as an intelligence officer in Cairo. He worked a desk job for nearly two years before being sent to Arabia in 1916, where... So I was right, so the movie takes place in 1916, because him working in Cairo is the beginning of the movie. So I'm going to take a, a quick halt from number four, and I'm going to go back to number one, where it says, he only learned the true identities of his parents after his father's 1919 death. So something's going on here. I think I accidentally stumbled across a massive conspiracy that nobody else in history has ever figured out. But until I can do further research on it, we're going to continue with number four. He worked a desk job for nearly two years before being sent to Arabia in 1916, where, in spite of his non-existent military training, he helped to lead battlefield expeditions and dangerous missions behind enemy lines during the two-year Arab revolt against the Turks. That's the, uh, that's the movie. That's, that's what happens in the movie. Now we're getting to where I wanted to be. This list is becoming more about his time during the framing of the movie, which is what I care about. That's truly what I wanted. And now we're there. Number five. Lawrence lost two brothers who also served in World War I. Okay. I've changed my mind. We are not getting any closer to where I wanted to be. We are moving in the opposite direction. Within months of each other in 1915, two of Lawrence's younger brothers, Frank and Will, were killed fighting on the Western Front. The guilt Lawrence felt about his safe desk job in Cairo as millions died on the front lines spurred him to the field at the outbreak of the Arab Revolt in 1916. They don't... They don't mention his brothers in the movie, so... It sounds like they're pretty important 
to him doing the whole thing about the movie, but they never really uh, mentioned them at all. I didn't even know that he had brothers. So I think this list is actually ruining my perception of what's going on here. The historical accuracy versus the movie accuracy. And we're only halfway done with the list. Number six, Lawrence's fame did not come until after the war. Overshadowed by the millions of lives lost on the Western Front, Lawrence's exploits were largely unheralded by the end of World War I in 1918. He was such an unknown figure that even the Turks, who had a bounty on his head, did not know what he looked like. However, when the American war correspondent Lowell Thomas launched a 1919 lecture tour recounting his assignment in the Middle East, his photographs and films of Lawrence of Arabia transfixed the public and transformed the British colonel into both a war hero and an international celebrity. So this is another thing in the movie where they kind of mush this together. They make it sound like in the film that Lawrence is this giant hero during the war not after the war. And of course, the war correspondent, Lowell Thomas, it's a different, it's actually uh, Mr. Bentley in the movie, which I was aware going into it that they had changed some names around. They had pushed some people together to make new characters. I knew this already, but I don't know the actual names of the people, so I might not be pronouncing that correctly because I'm only familiar with the names in the movie. Number seven, he refused a knighthood. King George V summoned Lawrence to Buckingham Palace on October 30. You know what that harmonica means. It's time for a break. We'll be right back. back (laughs) taste like metal i'm gonna put that away uh we're back i i don't know why we left but we're back and we're reading a top 10 list you know that we haven't been gone for that long um i haven't been gone for that long i didn't even stand up that was seconds there was no point for a break there but we did it anyway so we're moving on number seven he refused a knighthood remember when i said that before King George V summoned Lawrence to Buckingham Palace on October 30th, 1918. Lawrence hoped that the private audience was to discuss borders for an independent Arabia, but instead the king wished to bestow a knighthood on his 30-year-old subject. Believing that the British government had betrayed the Arabs by reneging on a promise of independence, Lawrence quietly told the befuddled monarch that he was refusing the honor before turning and walking out of the palace. And it's probably for the best, because I don't want to go around calling him Sir T.E. Lawrence. Number eight. Sir T.E. Lawrence worked for Winston Churchill. In 1921, the future prime minister became colonial secretary and employed Sir T.E. Lawrence as an advisor on Arab affairs. The two men grew to admire each other and became lifelong friends. Number nine. After World War I, he re-enlisted under assumed names. After completing his diplomatic service under Churchill, Sir T.E. Lawrence returned to the military in 1922 by enlisting in the Royal Air Force. But in an attempt to avoid the glare of celebrity, he did so under a pseudonym, John Hume Ross. Months later, the press revealed his secret, 
and he was discharged. Sir T.E. Lawrence subsequently enlisted as a private in the Royal Tank Corps, but under the assumed name Thomas Edward Shaw. A nod to his friend, the famed Irish writer George Bernard Shaw, Sir Lawrence subsequently published an English translation of Homer's Odyssey under the pen name of T.E. Shaw, and maintained the assumed name until his death. Number 10. Sir T.E. Lawrence died in a motorcycle crash. This one, dear listeners, we already knew. It's the beginning of the movie, remember that? Remember the movie when we used to talk about the movie? Yeah, it's in there. Back when me talking about Lawrence of Arabia didn't mean the person, but the movie. <laughs> Those were the days. Lawrence was an avid motorcyclist. He owned seven different brow superiors, dubbed the Rolls Royces of motorcycles. On the morning of May 13, 1935, Lawrence sped through the English countryside on his Brow Superior SS100 motorbike. He suddenly saw two boys on bicycles on the narrow country road and swerved to avoid them. However, he clipped one of the bikes and was thrown forward over the handlebars. Lawrence never recovered from his massive brain injuries and died at the age of 46 on May 19th. Once again, this was a list written by Christopher Klein for history.com and I'm going to be honest I'm not a fan of the list it's fine but the facts aren't super great or fun or I would say even interesting sorry Christopher but I would give that a C minus as far as the grade for the thing goes I'm still really confused about number one I'm gonna read number one again he only learned the true identities of his parents after his father's 1919 death. Let me see if I can't find the clip where he talks about it in the movie. El Orance. Truly for some men, nothing is written unless they write it. <laughs> Not El Orance. Just Lawrence. El Orance is better. True. Your father to just Mr. Lawrence. My father is Sir Thomas Chapman. Is that a lord? A kind of lord. Then when he dies, you too will be a lord. No. Ah. You have an elder brother. No. But then, I do not understand this. Your father's name is Chapman. Ali. He didn't marry my mother. I see. I'm sorry. It seems to me that you are free to choose your own name then. Yes. I suppose I am. El Orange is best. All right. I'll settle for El Orange. And with that, I'm going to end the episode, vowing to never forget about the Lawrence Parent conspiracy that I've uncovered here today. And on the next episode, I promise with all of my heart that I'm probably not going to prepare anything again, so I will just read the Lawrence of Arabia Wikipedia page. Oh, there's the harmonica again saying I have to end the episode. I'll see you next time. My name is Colton Jacobson, and I have seen Lawrence of Arabia four times, giving me 4,003 days to watch it 997 more times.
He only learned the true identities of his parents after his father's 1919 death. Is it just me or does it smell like carp in here because things are getting a little bit fishy?